Weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live. I'll also be checking in with Jim Bulger. Now, Jim is the chair of Carlo GA, and there's been a recent spike in sort of physical altercations, I suppose you'd call them, at GAA matches seen during Kilkenny's semi-final up in Dublin and, and lots more other places besides. I'll be checking in with Jim to see, is this something that's a new trend? Is it increasing? Is it on the up? Or is it just something that's sort of uh, kept to those bigger matches? What's it like at minor and under mage matches? Is violence on the sidelines of GAA matches something that worries him? Tim Cullinan, he's the president of the IFA. We said to you last week that this week the week that we're in now is of course farm safety week and farmers being encouraged to take time and um, this farm safety week to sort of just be aware of what's going on on the farms i mean we're not going to preach to the converted in any way shape or form but the importance of safety on the farms is exceedingly important and tim cullen will be joining us uh, to tell us more about that and a couple of moments time i'll be joined by stephanie manahan she's the ceo of pieta house about their recent report but before we get into all of that a bit of housekeeping to do as always if you're the owner um, of a German Shepherd dog with a red collar that's gone missing. You haven't seen him or her over the last day, couple of days. Well, we know where he is. He's been recently spotted wandering around the Main Street area in Erlingford, heading for the Chapel Fields area. So if you're missing a German Shepherd or you know somebody who is, do get in contact with us. It's up around Erlingford somewhere and we can put you in contact with the people who sent us that information. And hopefully two and two will mean that you get your dog back. Sport to the weekend. Well, big week of sport coming up next weekend. And Ken McGuire, who's the head of sport here at KCLR, he'll be joining us just after 11 to tell us everything we have planned on KCLR to celebrate Kilkenny making that All-Ireland final, all the preview shows and lots more besides. But unfortunately for the Kilkenny footballers, they fell to New York just in injury time and surrendered their title to the Exiles after just that single point loss. Hartford uh, match, but unfortunately not going the way of uh, Kilkenny footballers this weekend. But we got a lovely email in from one of our very many listeners over the weekend wanting to thank a particular group of people. She's asked us that we don't give out her name, and we won't, because she has said, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Um, But nevertheless, uh, a good story to to read out. A big thank you to all the staff working Sunday evening, that was uh, yesterday, um, where a lady and her family who who drove her there, um, she says, first of all, she pulled in on the road on the way back to Kilkenny um, to read a paper for about half an hour. I think she was just trying to enjoy the bit of peace and quiet. She said, she stupidly, however, and she said stupidly, we didn't say stupidly, she left her lights on, resulting in a flat battery. <gasps> Terrible. You know, what are you going to do about that? Well, thankfully, a lady drove this particular listener to a service station, called somebody she knew to see if they had any jump leads and waited to see if she could get a jump start. The staff checked to see if there were any on the premises. And David, we don't have a second name for David, but David is a student studying in Limerick. He went to his home in Goran to get a set of jump leads, started the car, and this particular listener says she regrets that she didn't get any of the other names, but she's really, really grateful to all of them. She said, please don't call out my name, as I'll get slagged off for being, in her words, such a dope. Ah, well, listen, it can happen to anybody. First thing on her 
to-do list today is to purchase a new set of jump leads. You see, there's good people out there willing to help anybody that may be in distress. And moving from that sort of uh, slightly fun story about talking about people in distress, on to Stephanie Manahan. She's the CEO of Pieta House. Um, Pieta's helpline received over 99,000 calls and texts last year. And their annual report highlighted that Ireland's National Suicide Prevention Charity has released that annual report showing that during 2022, those 99,000 calls and texts came in. They provided over 51,300 therapy hours free of charge and over 670 households were directly supported by Pieta's Suicide Bereavement Liaison Team. And uh, Stephanie Manhan, CEO from Pieta, joined us this morning on KCLR Live. Good morning, Stephanie. Oh, good morning, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on. And what a what a lovely, warm, heartwarming story about that lady being helped out by her community. It's just it's 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 it warms the cockles of your heart for sure. It's a great story. Yeah, I mean, it always sounds slightly, um, you know, futile to, to to talk about a story like that before talking about Pieta House. But I, the the reason we decided to do it this morning is it can often be those little ang- ac- actions, yeah. simple little things that make just that little bit of difference in somebody's life. And Pieta making a huge difference in in so many people's life. Were you surprised, Stephanie, um, by the figures uh, that came about in the report? Um, not really. Um, sadly, um, suicide remains the leading cause of death for young men under the age of twenty five in this country and it's the third leasing cause for young women um, suicide and indeed self-harm is um uh, is is something that every society and every community are also dealing with and it is so so important that organizations like ourselves are there for people free of charge and immediately when people need our help and need our support and thanks to fantastic support and volunteers in um, the counties of Kilkenny and Carlow they really do help sustain our services um, 24 hour 7. Um, we have in some incredible programs that we're working with um, through our schools as well with our young people. Um, and I know that my team was telling me that the amber flag, which is a flag, a bit like the green flag. Mm. So it goes out to schools and organizations. And I think over across Carly and Kil- Carlo sorry, and <laughs> Kilkenny, there was about nearly 35 schools and organizations, youth organizations that engaged with that. And that's all about promoting health and well-being, mental health awareness. And if they do a number of activities, they get an amber flag, a bit like the, the eco green flag. So really, really um, um, positive stuff happening on the ground in uh, Carlo and Kilkenny, which is fantastic. Um, and, and I know that whilst we don't have a local centre in Carlow and Kilkenny, we have um, the closest would be we have a centre there in Waterford and we have a centre in Wexford. And we also have our virtual therapy team. And we all saw that in COVID, virtual um, services worked really, really well. So we would encourage anybody to seek, seek help. And I, I was listening to, to, to your preamble there and I, I heard the piece around farm safety and we're delighted at the moment we're collaborating with the IFA. We're going to be at a number of the different fairs um, and um, um, events uh, this summer because it really is so important that people know that they can reach out to us, that they can pick up the phone if they're worried, if they're stressed, if they're contemplating any suicidal ideation 
Um, or indeed, if they're worried about a loved one or if they're worried about someone in their community, they can ring us and we'll give them advice on maybe how to help them have a conversation with that person. And Stephanie, as, as it suggests, it's an annual report. Are you seeing a trend yes. in terms of the figures? Is there an increase on previous years? We're certainly seeing a trend um, from pre-COVID to to now, for sure. Um, And in particular, one of the trends that we're seeing is, again, around young people. We saw that in 2020, when we look at our under-18s, the average age of young people um, looking for help was 16. Um, In 2021, that went down to 15. And last year, that was actually at 14. Now, there's a good side to that, because what that is also telling us is that people and young people are reaching out to us quicker and earlier looking for help. But again, a bit like, and it is universal, we're seeing more women than men, more young women than young men approach us. So we're really keen to really reach out to the young men through societies, through clubs. If there's anybody in Carlow and Kilkenny that would like to collaborate with us for um, we're, we're going to go amber for raising awareness around our signs of suicide sort of campaign in um, September and October. And last year we worked with a number of barber shops and, you know, really trying to get to places where young men maybe gather and chat. And, um, you know, I know women do a lot more talking in the hairdressers than the lads would do in the uh, barber shops. But still, even having the awareness there, if there's anybody at all and little companies or clubs that want to work with us on this, tell them to, to give us a call, please. And they can get in touch via our website and we'll make sure that we, 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 we follow up with them. Yeah, as you said, I mean, that age trend coming down could be deemed as being positive. Schools doing yeah. such a great job of encouraging young people to be aware of, of their mental health. But we've still got this disparity between men and women. Have we gotten any closer to understanding why it is that men just don't talk as much as women do? Well, you, you've probably got a better um, uh, take on that than me, I suppose, as being one of the gender of uh, men. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I'm not sadly, in the 18 age bracket yet, but no, I am a man. Yeah. Um, but I think, sadly, still it pervades in our society that men and young men um, don't talk as much. They don't tell each other how they feel as much. They don't reach out when they're really feeling low. Um, and, and, and it is about trying to... At a, at a community-wide level, trying to let people know it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to have really, really, um, you know, sad and um, lonely times. Um, but you're not alone. And just make that call. Let somebody know. And people are, and even their own mates. And when I talk to young people, I have two, two, two kids in that age gap bracket myself both men but young men and I say to them why don't they chat to each other why don't you chat to each other and they're always saying that they're all open for it um but they don't do it as as much it's not it's still not culturally the norm so I suppose we need to make it the norm we need to really mm. encourage young I, men I think it's just, absolutely okay to do it I think just listening to you there Stephanie I actually think it was it just spent those last couple of seconds thinking about myself I don't think we know how to do it and I think it'll take um, probably community leaders, whether they be sporting people or business people yeah. or people within the community, to try and get that education out there. I just don't think men know how to open up that conversation. Um, I think that's a really, really good point. And I know that when we do our work with the Amber Flag and when we do the work with resilience programmes, we try and um, 
teach those those sort of early lessons of how to have those conversations. And and I think you're spot on. People and often young men don't know how to have those conversations. Yet what I will say is that in our young people, they ultimately they do know who's struggling. Like when I meet with groups of kids in schools and stuff, it's I'm all I walk away thinking they all know who's self-harming. They all know who's struggling. Um, so, you know, our, our young people could be such an incredible resource and support to one another if only um, particularly the young men would 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 take that step and um, let people know because and, and even ringing or texting our helpline. So our helpline, I know you'll probably give out the numbers one eight hundred twenty four seven twenty four seven. 247 247 But if if somebody is even wondering just just make that call or text help to 51444 and um, you'll be met with absolute compassion, no judgment, totally on your level. And um, just make that call, make that text and see how you get on. I, oh. I, that is my absolute plea to young people. And PA to continuing to do good work, increasing their services um, in response to that, I suppose, rising demand. You know, PA to manage to increase therapy yep. hours by almost um, 7% in 2022. You know, that that's a great increase considering so many people struggling financially. And I mean, organisations like PA to raise funds off the back of COVID. Um, great Absolutely. fundraising activities, I presume, the likes of the, the, the walk, dark, darkness to light walk and everything else is already oh. probably well in planning for this year. Oh, absolutely. Well, Darkness into Light was in May, but yeah. that 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 the planning for that starts in the September again, um, because it's such such an incredible event. And and you know, from Pieta, we rely. We're very unusual in the sector in that we rely primarily on our fundraised income. So we rely on over eighty five percent of our income from fundraising. And so it's a huge thanks to all the supporters and volunteers who do Darkness into Light and who do cake sales and who do walks and who do incredible challenges um, for Pieta. We are so, so grateful. And and it is also the, the absolute generosity of spirit that people often when they're doing these are actually raising those funds so that they're impacting other people. Um, Stephanie, you know, they're 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 making services available for others that they don't even know, which is phenomenal. Um, if you if you don't mind, I'm going to read you a text that I just got in from a listener. Um, and yeah. I'm not asking, I'm not trying to create a confrontational situation yeah. between you and the government, but I'll ask for your thoughts on it. Nevertheless, anyway, um, this particular listener, I won't give out their name, says uh, services for teenagers with mental health issues are disgusting. Um, apparently, Cam's told her son that because he's not self-harming and hasn't yet attempted suicide, um, it's not the place for him. What's your own thoughts on terms of the services offered by um, governmental agencies in relation to, to young people's mental health? I I think, and I, I, I hear what you're saying, you don't want to get into um, tricky territory. But what I would say, first of all, to that caller is um, please do pick up the phone herself to um, uh, Pieta and get some advice. And um, and and we'll absolutely, uh, we see children all the time, some of whom who might be on other waiting lists. Um, and um, they'll, they'll stay with our therapists um, for a period before they can get into the other services. Um, I think um, every day, and, and I was a, you know, I, I, I would always view myself as a public servant. I've always worked in public service. I worked for the H to see many years ago and everybody gets up in the morning and the ground in the HSE to do a good job 
to do a good job that day. They only want to do their best. There are massive challenges in um, resourcing, in securing posts. There's an absolute gap in trying to fill vacancies for the HSE. So whilst I believe that they have absolutely looked at the challenges and the Maskey report would have really looked at some of the challenges for CAMS. At the heart of CAMS, there are people trying to do their best with the resources that they have on the ground, for sure. So I would say that, but I would absolutely, if, if somebody's on a waiting list like that, um, it is no harm, talk to the GP or come and um, talk to us and see if we're a good fit for the um, services that you need, particularly if it's around self-harm and thoughts of suicide, for sure. And, and am I right in understanding what you said there, Stephanie, that if you're a parent of a young person who, who, who you think needs help and support, that you could be the person to sort of pick up the phone initially? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, people, people can, people ring our helpline. So our helpline is manned by qualified therapists and qualified counsellors. So we're different from the volunteer type of helpline. It's more, it's called a crisis intervention line. So basically if, if a parent rings up or a a carer rings up, they'll get, they'll, they'll have a, a conversation with a qualified therapist and they'll be able to get some guidance, some good pointers and um, some what we call signposting to to either to our own services or maybe to some help elsewhere. So so it is always worth picking up the call, picking up the phone and making that call. You are not people sometimes say, oh, I don't want to waste the therapist's time. No, you won't be wasting anybody's time. That's why we're here. Stephanie Manahan, CEO of PA to House, um, on that latest annual report on the services they offer. Thanks very much for your time this morning. And as Stephanie mentioned, PA to's crisis helpline number is 1800 247 247. Or you can text the word HELP to 51444. And don't forget, KCLR um, have a whole help page on our own website, kclr96fm.com. KCLR. You're very welcome back to KCLR Live. Lots of you getting texts and WhatsApps in on all of those. Some of you also trying to enter the mystery sound. We haven't even played the mystery sound yet this morning. I do love and appreciate your enthusiasm, but I'll give you a little listen to that in just a couple of moments' time as well. But before I do, uh, we also wanted uh, KCLR as a whole to extend their deepest sympathies um, to Councillor Fidelis Doherty and her family on the death of her father, Jim O'Mahony. Um, he was formerly a Viper in Kells and Wexford. Uh, Jim, very well known, of course, in local sporting circles in particular. Uh, yesterday, Gurev Anam um, from everybody here at KCLR. Also, Owen Larkin, a very happy birthday today. Lots of love to you from Julia and Justin. Um, so Owen celebrating his birthday today. The mystery sound we'll play in just a few moments' time. Do keep those ears open. But before we did that, uh, it is, of course, Farm Safety Week and farmers are being encouraged to take this time um, Farm Safety Week. It's themed this year, Make Farm Safety a Way of Life to review working practices and ensure their team and the farm and everybody working on it is nice and safe. Who better to speak to than the president of the IFA, uh, Tim Cullinan, and he joins us on the show this morning. Good morning, Tim. Morning, Brian. Farm Safety Week obviously is a big week. It happens every year. Uh, unusual, a nice theme this year, make farm safety a way of life. I'm not going to, as I said last week, in any position, um, start trying to pontificate to farmers about being safe on the farm. Sure, if I've got my shoes muddy, I'd be running for the hills. Um, Tim, but what would you say to encourage farmers just to take time, take stock and check 
um, practices around their farms this week. Absolutely, and I suppose the first thing to say, Brian, oh, sadly, seven people have been confirmed as lost their lives uh, associated with farm accidents this year to date, and you know, I think it's only right and proper that pass on our condolences to the families of those people. And I think, look, we've all been in situations meeting people who have lost loved ones. And just to make that point, you know, it's only when something really happens that we really focus the mind. And I suppose you're right, the team this year to make farm safety a way of life, I think that's very, very important. What I'd be really encouraging, you know, this week it is the 11th annual uh, farm safety uh, week that we're involved in in the association. That, uh, you know, farmers would take time get out around the farm and you know, maybe take an notebook or whatever with them and, and note areas you know, to see themselves as being a risk from a farm safety point of view. And I suppose I think what would be very beneficial there if there's somebody else with them, either a farm or family member or a neighbour, you know, because we, we all co- become complacent when we're walking around the farm ourselves every day. It's only when somebody else is with you or maybe reverse that and maybe... Um, one farmer brought to the other farmers or whatever and you know, just highlight the real danger areas around the farm and I suppose if we look at it, tractors are the cause of 50, 50, 53% of farm accidents and uh, following on from that obviously is livestock, handling livestock and uh, another serious danger obviously is slurry in particular this time of the year when uh, the weather can be still, the gas is coming off the slurry and you know it has been demonstrated, and we have um, a video out there this morning of a, of a girl, Ella Casey, over in County Longford, who almost lost her life a couple of years ago, and she's out there highlighting that this week as well, which I think is very, very important. Another area, obviously, is heights, you know, going on roofs of buildings to ensure that you have the proper equipment. And uh, uh, the other, I suppose, the two most vulnerable sectors in society are the elderly people, mm. in particular elderly farmers going out into livestock and, you know, the, the risks associated with that. And obviously children, young children, and in particular, again, this time of the year, children are at home from school and holidays. We all know, you know, children love to be around machinery, but there is serious risks associated with that as well. So one appeal I'd like to make as well is, you know, uh, lads operating tractors and mobile phones and using the phones while they're, while they're driving those tractors on the roads. And we all know, you know the size of the machinery that's out there nowadays, which is required for to get the work done in a proper manner. But, you know, there's risks associated with that as well. And just finally to say, you know, around quad bikes, which are an excellent tool, and uh, most farmers have one of those bikes now. But from November of this year, um, Operators of those uh, quad bikes will have to do uh, a training course and uh, have to wear protective um, gear when operating the, the quad bike from November on as well. And, you know, we have seen, sadly, in the past, a number of fatalities from the use of quad bikes as well, Brian. I mean, that was the, 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 the paragraph that really stood out to me, and it was the paragraph around um, the age-related stuff, you know, further figures showing that 42% of worker victims were aged 65 years of age or over, 60% of them with quad bikes, as you sort of touched on there as well, and also that 85% um, of child fatalities involve uh, those vehicles and machineries. The farms are often a place of family, multi-generations all living in and around that one farm, all sorts of working together. And I can't imagine the tragedy that would be sort of experienced by a family member um, 
to be involved in or responsible for the death of another family member, be it a younger person or an older person. How do you suggest people working on farms, families working on farms, balance those requirements? They need to be there to help one another, but they need to protect one another as well. Absolutely. And look, I have been in a number of, of homes you know, where there was fertilities and, and you're right, look, and for people to come to terms with that, it's a huge, huge uh, challenge for any family. So I suppose, look, it's about the family working together and look, and I know it's not easy. Farmers are always under a lot of pressure and, you know, there's weather restraints and, you know, when the weather is good, a lot of work has to be done during, in particular during the summer period. But I suppose, look, as I say, where I started here, if, if if everybody would just take a few hours this week and reassess what they are doing and maybe with the help of a friend or a neighbour or a family member and you know, try and come up with a protocol around the farm to ensure uh, the, the safety of people working or operating on that farm. And uh, you're right, like the elderly, the elderly you know, over 42% of the accidents are associated with people over 65 years of age and, you know, keeping an eye on, you know, where there is an older generation on the farm, maybe the younger people just keeping an eye from a distance even on, and, 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 you know, the elderly people like to be involved and like to be out there helping with the farm as well. And obviously the young children as well. And as I said already, you know, the association, young children like being with tractors and machinery and all the rest of it. And, but there is, look, there's no point saying anything else, but there's a serious risk associated with that as well. So I think it's about taking the time so you know, we have a farm safety week and use the week you know, to try and assess on your own farm what you can do to try and prevent an accident into the future. I think that that time, Brian, will be very, very well spent over the next few days of mm. this week. Uh, Tim, I, I, I don't know the regulations around driving tractors. I have driven one under supervision, actually, of an, an IFA farm member um, on, on a TV programme once, but that was a very different circumstance. People asking me, though, um, about underage people driving tractors with no licence and insurances on the roads, is that as big a scourge as people would lead me to believe it is? I don't believe it is. I think because most of the work now is is done by contractors, and you know the I, contractors will always insure you know, to have number one insurance, and and anybody driving a tractor has a license. No, the only thing I was referring to there is you know guys using mobile phones, and look, we can be all guilty of it from time to time, including myself. And all I'm saying is, you know, just be that bit more careful. The machines are much bigger than they were, Brian, in the past. But they are required to get through the amount of work that has to be done on farms. And I would have to say that the standard and quality of the equipment and machinery that has been used out there now has improved immensely over the last number of years. And the huge investment involved for contractors as well to ensure they can get in there and get the work done for farmers over a a short period of time related to weather and all the rest of it. And Tim, just before I let you go, I've been asked by a texter to get your thoughts and views on the uh, European vote last week regarding um, farmers re-wetting lands. Um, this person is actually suggesting that uh, farmers shouldn't be asked to la- to get involved in land re-wetting. What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And of course, you're right. It, it was a very tight vote last week. And there was a proposal uh, that um, this nature restoration law so would not would have to go would fail and go back for you know to come forward with a, a new law. But look, what has happened here is Article Nine, which was voted down by the European Parliament, and Article Nine deals completely with rewetting. So for, as of from 
on last Wednesday, the view of the, the, the European Parliament is that they should not be rewetting of farmlands. But look, what has to happen here next is this goes back to trilogue, which means uh, a discussion between the European Parliament, the Council of Ministers and the European Commission. So at least now there's a strong signal from the Parliament, 700 mem- members of the Parliament voted down the article dealing entirely with re-wetting last week. So that's the current position. And absolutely, I agree. Look, and uh, we are seeing already uh, provisional um, results of, of research that Chagas are doing that P-tiles are not uh, uh, releasing uh, the same amount of carbon that was thought prior to the St. Paul farm or the evaluation of carbon uh, either being sequestered or being released from the soils initially. So that's promising as well, Brian. So look, this story has a long ways to, to run yet and we'll see in the weeks and months ahead. But look, my view is the same as that um, that person texting in that um, any land that is, is, is being used for producing, let it be dairy, beef or sheep or whatever, or tillage, so needs to, to continue to be used into the future. And just finally on that, so we need to look at where the world is currently. And yeah, the, big stories at the, the moment in terms of the global warming. The rest of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on both sides, absolutely. And it's about finding the right balance here where we can produce food. But absolutely, we're all concerned around climate and the impact of that. And, and you know, no better than farmers to, to work with both producing food and uh, working with climate change as well. And already, it's on, we're only a year in, Brian from when uh, the government gave us a target of 25% on reduction of emissions. And we can state that we're on target to reach 19 of the 25%. And with the advances that are coming in science, we believe we can meet the 25% target by 2030. Tim Cullinan, President of the OFA, ahead of the start of um, Farm Safety Week, kicking off today. Thanks for joining us this morning. KCLR. Yes, you're welcome back to KCLR Live. 19 minutes to 11 o'clock this morning. We were talking to Tim Cullinan there just before the ad break about farm safety. Uh, people texted me, and maybe you can help me out with this because I don't know. Well, of course, you can't know everything about everything, and I know very little about farming. Um, but somebody's saying, if people are old enough uh, to drive tractors on a provisional license, it should be remembered that this law was designed years ago when they were little grey Fergusons, but now tractors are as big as Arctic trucks also towing big trailers, um, says Mark. Can you drive a tractor on public roads on a provisional licence? I, I don't know. Maybe I'm sure somebody will text me and let me know. And I would have thought, if you're driving on a provisional, don't you have to have somebody with you? If, you're dri- if I was driving my car or my kids were learning to drive, I'd have to be in the car with them. Is that the same with tractors and things like that? Do let me know. 083 306 9696. Um, as I said, I'm not from a bar- farmer background, so I'm sure a lot of people um, will, will probably tell me off for saying this, but I, I, I'm not quite so sure that somebody on a provisional licence should be allowed to drive those massive machines out of the public road. But that's just my thoughts. Do let me know. 083 306 9696. Talking about wrecking your heads, it's time to do this. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hartz Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahartz.ie. So, it's up to €300. Euros. If you can identify this sound, you can text us or WhatsApp us on our Dinners Ready contact line, 083 306 um, If you missed us last week, we haven't given you a clue on this one just yet, so you've got to do all the hard work on your own. 
That is the sound. There's sort of two parts to it. If you can identify that sound, it's worth 300 euros. 083 306 9696. KCL or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card. The perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. Now, Jim Bulger is the chair of Carlo GAA and following a, a recent spike in fights on Hill 16 during major sporting events, he joins us on the line to give us his views, his thoughts as to whether violence on the sidelines of GAA matches is becoming uh, an issue of concern. Jim, you're very welcome along to the show this morning. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. I mean, we saw a fairly high profile uh, taking place last week um, at the semi-final in, on, on the hill. A, a young lady looked like she'd been injured in an altercation there. Um, is it quite commonplace that there is uh, aggression, violence on the no, sidelines of GA matches? I suppose, no, Brian, um, we pride ourselves in, in, in the fact that all our teams, all our supporters can mix, especially if we've done double headers, we could have four teams mixing before, during and after, and even using the same public transport or sharing transport. Uh, you know, border counties would even do that, believe it or not. And these are isolated incidents, and primarily the self-regulate, usually older, wiser people in the group would, um, I suppose, damp, stamp it out early or nip it in the bud, so to speak. And um, with the advent of the mobile phone with cameras on, we're probably getting a, a few more reports of this, but. I don't think there's any fear of us closing the hill down and putting all seats there anytime soon. <laughs> we have a brilliant tradition, brilliant record. And um, and and these are isolated misses that raise their head every now and then. And, and it's probably a certain cohort of uh, young people, really, that, you know, over-exuberant and, uh, and that kind of thing. And, and look, there's a lot of passion, a lot of emotion when your county team is playing as well. And we get that and we're aware of it. But controls and arrangements that the GAA have in place are, are I believe, second to none. Um, we have many qualified event controllers and uh, we liaise, we have uh, pre-event meetings and event control is a, is a very high, we actually value it, really, then prioritise it. And we have an excellent track, track record and uh, you will notice the, the number of stewards, the number of uh, Gardaí at our grounds exceed, surpass what's required in the code of practice for uh, safety at sports grounds. So we're, we're doing all that we can. And these, I believe, are just isolated incidents. Jim, what's the difference between the people that attend, let's say, for example, a GA match or a League of Ireland soccer match or a Premier League soccer match? Because I've probably never come across any other sports where you'd have four sets of supporters and um, potentially mixing freely, as you said, into a stadium and in a stadium and probably worse still after a match when half the teams are, half the people are head up from the win and half them are disappointed from the loss. What's different about GAA? Um, I, I suppose it's the way it evolved. It's a, it's, it's a cultural thing and, and um, we have a lot of respect for each other. But while when you're, you could be playing against a, a school friend, a work colleague, and uh, you know, once you cross the white line, that's it for the hour or seventy minutes or whatever the case may be. But afterwards, you're back buddies again, and and that culture kind of permeates through our supporters. Um, perhaps the, the 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 voluntary aspect of it as well um, helps us because we're all in it together, as to say. And and uh, we work together with county teams. We work together at county committee level, county board level, and there's many other subcommittees that. You know, people from all the clubs work, and then, then by extension, you have provincial um, uh, work groups 
that come from all of the counties and further to extend that further at national level at central council so we're like one big family i suppose is the simple way to put it brian you know yeah and and that that kind of reflects in our behavior in our respect and people that come from abroad in particular and i I met a scotsman who met a dublin girl and he got married to her and when he came over for the first time uh, he couldn't believe what he saw uh, around Jones's Road and outside Gills there, you know, or along there that he never saw anything like that in Glasgow, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's a fairly I extreme example to compare it to now again, Jim. It is, but he still he couldn't believe it. He thought it was brilliant. And he's married now for, I'd say, over 15 years to that lady. So it's, it's gas when you get a fresh pair of eyes from abroad to look at it and say they'd love to have that, you know. So it's fairly unique. We have it and we that. It's fairly unique, is, as you said, in world sport that we've got that sort of culture. And um, how do we protect yeah. that at minor and underage levels whereby, you know, those incidents, if they do occur, and let's be honest, they do occur, but it might not occur that regularly. But they, when they do occur, um, it's important to stamp them out at that yeah. level, isn't it, Jim? Yeah, we do. it is indeed. And I know we've had the give respect, get respect initiative, but, you know, from other sports have tried this side on sideline, but we have something similar in, in Carlo. Um, which which is be sound or be silent is the mantra and we piloted that at under 13 level we went or under 11 sorry then we went to 13s 15s and we now have it at under 17 level so it has been a success and it helps us to nip it in the bud and referees are instructed to take the appropriate action if if people so if you're going to speak from the sideline make sure it's positive and really support the players the young players that are in there that we're trying to develop into great players and great people Jim, I have to can't let you go without asking you two questions, right? First question that I've been asking anybody GA related recently is: Have you got tickets for the Kilkenny final? Uh, I have one for myself. <laughs> right, so Jim, so, uh, what they're, I'm doing? They're very scared. Edna Quirk was off last week, and what she won't know. Edna, we're compiling a list of everybody that we know who has access to tickets, right? So Jim has one, or at least he's admitting to have one. But the more pertinent question for you, Jim, right? Carlo yeah. Man heading up to Crow Park. Will you be cheering on Kilkenny? Oh yeah, and the Leinster man as well. Of course, <laughs> <you know>. <laughs> uh, Jim Bulger cheering <laughs> on Kilkenny. Neighbours all the time. <laughs> he's saying he's only got one ticket. I think he might have two. If you're looking for a spare ticket, maybe give Jim Bulger a shout. He's going up to support Kilkenny. <laughs> we'll see if we can get him in some black and amber before he heads up to Crow Park on Sunday. Jim, thanks very much for your time this morning. Thanks for joining us. KCLR. But now I know it's 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 a huge huge story because it's connected obviously to global global warming. People saying you know El Nino happen at the moment on its uh, four or five year cycle, making things worse. But we learnt over the weekend that tinder dry conditions in Europe mean that Andalusia in Spain could reach forty four degrees today uh, as the first hit heat wave on the continent. They seem to name them all over there in the same way that we name storms here. But that first heat wave, uh, Cerberus. Uh, gives way to another one, which is called Sharon, also spelt with a C, C H A R O N. Uh, tomorrow, the Italian island of Sardinia could challenge the European record high of 48.8 degrees. Unbelievable. For the first time ever, speaking to holidaymakers returning from holiday, they're like, too hot. It was just too hot. Have you been away recently? If you've experienced that or you've got family that are abroad at the moment that are spending their whole holiday hiding up in their hotel rooms, do let me know. 083 306 9696. Weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live.
if we work backwards from from the weekend obviously we're going to be in Croke Park on Sunday we're going to have full coverage of the match uh, that's uh, there uh, thrown in at half past three can I ask you a question you can. is Brendan Hennessy on voice rest between now and Sunday well, so he's in he's going to be a busy man <laughs> Any, anybody who has a hand in anything sporting wise around here is going to be busy this week because uh, like there are other things that are happening in the world outside of Kilkenny being in an All-Ireland Hurling final we've Kilkenny in an intermediate Camogie semi-final we've the Carlos Senior Hurling Championships continuing so we've got a lot of other balls to juggle as well um, but we'll be in Croke Park as always uh, for the All-Ireland final on Sunday before that, we're going to be joining um, uh, all the crew, or a lot of the crew are going to be joining myself and Robbie and Amy and a few others above in the Academy Plaza Hotel mm. uh, to get fed for the day ahead and do our Up For The Match uh, All-Ireland Sunday show. We've been doing it for years now in the Academy, uh, and it's great crack. It's, Is it? It's, like, it's, it's the Kilkenny supporters hub that's there. Uh, it'll be buzzing from very early on. See, I'd love to go and see it, and like, I've often been offered tickets for you know, events like this, and I, I do enjoy the GA. I, I grew up in the shadow of Crow Park, to be quite honest with you, um, but I'd never go to something like that, because any time I've been, it's like, there's somebody out there who wants this, who would love this much more than me. So although yeah. I'd love to experience the fun of the fair up in the Academy Plaza. You've got Dublin football to look forward to the following weekend. I know. So it's not, I know. It's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I'm, I'm prohibited, despite the fact that, that we're in a studio that is navy and sky blue, uh-huh. I'm prohibited from talking about anything Dublin yeah, GA related. I can see the jersey popping out from under your jumper there. Uh, so we'll be, in the Academy on, uh, we'll be in the Academy on Sunday. If you're in the area, uh, we'd love to see you. We'll be broadcasting live. Uh, from the lobby of the hotel between 11 o'clock and 2 o'clock on Sunday morning we'll have loads of tunes we'll have chats we have uh, plenty of giveaways as well we'll give you more details on those during the week you bring it along to this coming Friday night we're going to be down in Matt the Millers live between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock for our All-Ireland preview show so uh, we'll have Brendan is there Robbie's there Eddie's there I'll be there uh, Taggy will be knocking around Owen Larkin will be knocking around we have a few more people that'll be kind of fed out uh, during the week as you like to tease these things along Um, but we'll have uh, two hours of solid hurling shot uh, and good crack as well in Matt's on Friday night this is Matt the Millers on John Street in Kilkenny just off off John's Bridge if if you haven't been there before the institution that it is Uh, we'll also have uh, ticket giveaways on the night Uh, you gotta be in it to win it as in you gotta be in the venue we'll back up the truck we got got tickets across the week here now if you're you're, Matt you're talking about match tickets for the final if you're stuck yeah (laughs) Yeah, we got. You were asking me the other day at the OB out in Clara if we had any tickets. I'm not going to. I was going to wrap the interview with asking you that question, RL. Look, you know, we've we've got tickets to give away on air. We've got tickets to give away in Matt the Millers, Um, and I know like Edwina has the Black and Amber News running, and you'd heard Seamus reading it this morning saying pretty much anybody who wants to get a ticket or anybody from Kilkenny who's looking for a ticket will probably get. I was surprised at that. Now I have to say, Uh, things have a way of working out. You have no (laughs) tickets on a Monday, and you have no tickets on a Tuesday and by Friday you have 12 uh, and, there, and there's stuff kind of shimmying and look there's always the kind of you know there's always the, the bit of barter and horse trading and stuff that yeah, goes yeah. on when I, you get up to Dublin I, I was talking to a, a chap last Friday it was actually the deli counter somewhere in some unnamed petrol station and uh, he had the black and amber on and was asking him I said you got tickets he said well he said officially they're not out yet he said but he said let's put it this way I have a few good leads <laughs> that's it and that's 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 part of the that's part of the fun of it uh, so that's on on Friday night we'll be down to Matthew Miller's doing 
doing the, the preview show there live between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock and then right across the week as well uh, we're going to have uh, so the Black and Amber News uh, with thanks to the folks at uh, Glombia and Avonmore Protein Milk that has started on Ariel here gone out a couple of times a day so Edwina's going out and about uh, chatting to people pulling together player profiles and tidbits yeah. and competitions and other stuff so that's running all the way through until Sunday uh, we have the the kind of the, the around the county visits and the black and amber tour so Edwina is going to be linking up with uh, other groups as well going out and getting a flavour of, of the caller uh, from towns and villages around the county and that's you'll hear more about that on uh, with Sue later on and after four o'clock every day this week uh, we're going to be back out uh, with the OB unit and with the ID buzz from mm. uh, La Hart's Volkswagen in Kilkenny uh, to find out what's happening at the cool camps there's a lot of camps that are knocking around we were out in Clara on Friday as we said it was a wet one weather is looking a little bit more favourable this week um, but it doesn't it doesn't put people off and there's a huge buzz in there uh, and wedged in between it because I've I, I'm going to be there myself we'll have the black and amber breakfast on yeah. Saturday morning to kind of bridge the gap between the preview show <laughs> and the All-Ireland and everything else that's happening you see, you see what I mean like, if you have never joined the dots before maybe you're a regular listener to KCLR for the last 20 years near as makes no difference and you haven't actually joined it just look at the mammoth task that covering an All-Ireland final um, and this occasion um, Kilkenny in the All-Ireland final I'm sure it would be exactly the same if Carlo, we're in an All-Ireland final. 100%. Yeah, 100%. yeah we have to cover all of that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's no point in asking that question because you've already told me. Ken, you got tickets? Uh, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's Ken, Monday. Yeah, no, this is, I think this is Man slightly might unfair. Have a ticket by later on in the I week. think this is unfair, Ken. I have okay. to say this, right? Because um, people might not believe this, but we occasionally have meetings here at KCLR to plan all this type of stuff. And uh, Ken has gone up, as he said, to do the preview show from Academy Plaza. And uh, he said, I think I'll. Like, he's, he's, he's head of sport at KCLR, but he's so committed to his job. He had said, he volunteered on Monday that he probably wouldn't even go to the match because he needed to get back down to do this, to do that, to do the other. Look, man's got to work. The joys of it. Uh, Ken McGuire, as always, appreciate you joining us. Thanks for joining us and telling us everything that you've got planned. Um, It's going to be mayhem. Ah, No doubt about that. Um, The fact that Melda May is one of my biggest crushes and she's from Dublin. Well, let's just frame the Dublin thing. That's where all of Kilkenny is going to be heading this weekend. Hey, Ken, thanks for joining us. Somebody telling me there's no black and amber flags apparently up on the high streets. Um, maybe somebody who's out and about can get a photo. There has to be. If there isn't, there should be. Let's get that sorted out. Why is there no black and amber up on the high street? Elaine Martin was also on to me, telling me a little behind-the-scenes stories. I love getting this type of thing. She said she was up and ready and raring to go in 2015 ready to head up to the All-Ireland. Her son was on the panel that year. She said the nerves got the better of her and she couldn't go. She couldn't even watch the match on the telly. But the one thing she says is that she does have an All-Ireland medal from her son in the house. Up the cats! We can do this! And best of luck to Derek and all the gang and the Kilkenny team. That comes in from Elaine Martin. That's a lovely story, Elaine. Um, I wonder, text me and let me know. Do you still regret not going or would the nerves have really got the better of you when you were up there? Do let me know, Elaine. 083-306-9696. If anybody is heading up 
to the match this weekend. Um, wouldn't €300 Euros be nice to help you uh, really enjoy the experience? The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hertz Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahertz.ie. So people still asking me, maybe the people who were away on holidays, what was the previous mystery sound? I'm trying to think back now what the previous... Oh yes, I remember. The previous mystery sound, we gave you a clue for it. We said at one point that people were texting in asking if it was a CD player. And then I casually said, it's not a CD player. We've moved on since then. Which led to people getting the right answer, which was an Apple CarPlay starting in the car. That's been gone, done and dusted. We're on to a new mystery sound. We haven't given you a clue for this one just yet, but it is worth 300 euros. Yeah, there it is. Um, text or WhatsApp your guesses to our Dinners Ready text and WhatsApp line 083 306 9696. That's the contact number. Um, let me know. Have a guess at what you think this is. Is the mystery sound a car park barrier in operation? Asks Eamon Mur- Murphy in uh, Mill Street in Kelton Kenny. No, it's not a car park barrier. Um, I can see by the quality of the guesses coming in, you're on the right track you're just not quite there yet people asking is it some kind of presser um no it's not something that's been pressed or some kind of presser um, and people asking what the old mystery sound was as i said it was apple carplay but that's not what we want this week we want to know what that sound was All brought to you in association with La Hearts Volkswagen to celebrate their range of ID electric vehicles. We're asking you to ID that sound. The Volkswagen ID sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. Just while we're on the topics of Converse competitions, I heard John Walsh this morning running his bathroom belters in association with Emerald Tiles and Bathrooms in Erlingford. A five thousand euro bathroom given away himself and John Keane have sort of teamed up on this one John Walsh was playing the clue this morning it was a piece of music sung by somebody here at KCLR we're not asking you to tell us who in KCLR it was that was singing it we're asking you to see based on the terrible audio performances of some of the staff members can you actually still identify the original song and artist John Walsh will have that for you again um, after 12 o'clock and um, 5,000 euros that would do some damage in your bathroom well it wouldn't do damage it would make it better I'm sure it would it would make it absolutely fantastic that is coming up on the John Keane show after 12 and coming up after this little short break uh, I'll be speaking to uh, Mika, the manager at Barrow Valley Community Development. Uh, the Barrow Valley Community Development and Craig Namana have just received €10,000 from the uh, Funds Hearts of the Community Fund. And uh, we'll be finding out what they've got on offer at the moment up there and how they plan on spending that money after this short break. KCLR. KCLR. Welcome back to KCLR Live. 24 minutes past 11 o'clock. Elaine Martin's been back on. She was telling us that fabulous story about the nerves getting to her and her not going up to Crow Park to see her, her own son on the panel that day. Um, she does have an All-Ireland medal in the house. But I asked her, did she regret it? And she said, yes, I regret not going. I think I was more nervous for him more than anything. He was well represented by the rest of the family and friends. It's so nerve-wrenching when you have one of your own in it. Yeah, the whole sort of hopes and dreams of a whole county resting on your son or your daughter's shoulders must be a very nervy experience. Uh, But hopefully, 
She said, no, the lane's getting cheeky now because she finishes off the message by saying, hopefully you can sort out a pair of tickets. I have no tickets allowed, Martin. Don't be texting me or hassling me. But I will keep asking people on your behalf. So do stay tuned and we'll see if we can find people with tickets all around the counties. As Ken said, looks like everybody who wants one will get one. So good luck in that hunt, Elaine. Um, another organisation who's done very, very well in their hunt for ongoing funding is uh, Barrow Valley Community Development, known as The Hub, because earlier this month, the Ireland's Fund, which is a global philanthropic network, awarded €10,000 to Barrow Valley Community Development through its heart of the Community Fund. Each year they provide different critical funding uh, to a wide range of community organisations right across the country. And uh, Martin O'Brien, who's the chair of Barrow Valley Community, it's, it's sort of unofficially known as the hub, he joins us on the line there now. Good morning, Martin. Morning, Brian. How are you? Well, listen, first of all, congratulations on, on the announcement of that extra €10,000 in funding. You've been doing great stuff anyway. Um, but what are you going to put that €10,000 towards? Yeah, it's towards the expansion of our solar panel initiative. Um, it's just by pure by accident that we looked at this a couple of years ago where our energy consumption here in the hub had quadrupled due to the amount of visitors we had coming in motorhomes and staying here. So we looked at the solar panels for our roof here. So we put all our solar panels on the roof and we had 26 kV of solar and we put in a battery bank system. And at the time, a few years ago, this was the 100% of our needs. But now our needs have doubled and of course the cost of electricity has increased as well. So then we looked at trying to increase the initiative and we came up with two ideologies. The first is a very simple one, just stick on more solar panels in our own area here, if we have the area. And we would use that, sell that to our visitors. And also we came up with the ideology where we would try and sell it um, power to the local community here. And the regulator has announced new regulations, which will allow us to do that over the next year or so. And that's great. But our second initiative, which we have up and running as well, is a more simple one. It's where we rent the roof space off local businesses and houses that are suitable. And we put our solar panels on their roof and we sell them back the power at a reduced rate than what they pay the networks themselves. And that's working out very well. We're on our second phase of this. That's amazing. I mean, to, to actually use that money to generate further funds into the future, you're doing stuff that's good for the environment, you're doing stuff, most importantly, that's good for the community. It's great to see initiatives like this getting that level of success. Yes, it's brilliant. Um, it's like everything else. It's uh, Success breeds success. Our only kind of stumbling block is that we can only grow at our own rate of funding. Um, so it is a very profitable ideology, but um, it's just to get the capital flow and to get the initiatives. And we're actually going to have different types of plans for our kind of um, people who are renting the roof space off. So we give a discount for people who don't want to invest anything. If people want to invest a small bit of money to help us out, we will actually give them a discount on the price of the electricity we sell them back. And that keeps us in kind of a better cash flow position. But it's all working out brilliantly well. And um, we're very well supported by 3CA and we're supported by SSAI. And actually, the County Council are supporting us as well Well, on the further development we hope anyway. So it's all good. All helping. I mean, in terms of its value to Greg Namana as, 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 as a townland, as a country, as a, not as a country, as a, as a town, as a sort of small little community, um, it's great to be attracting so many people into the area as well, apart from what you're actually doing in the community, for the community. Yeah, that's our whole ideology. We're basically a social enterprise and we're just a tourism hub. And one of the greatest initiatives was that, and it happened again by accident, is where the motorhome visitors came to Greg Namana and we just recognised in day one that they were an asset 
So fortunately enough, over the last couple of years, we've actually got these survey forms filled in, and the survey forms have proven that last year there was a 1.5 million euro spent in the community, um, and all that is very, very welcome to a small little town like Gregna Manor. And I have to thank, um, again, Kenny County Council, and more importantly, leader organisations for our support and funding over the last number of years to keep us going. Yeah, no, it's a great success story. I mean, you've got walking trails, cycling, tra- canoeing and kayaking, um, uh, lots of stuff up there to enjoy, swimming, the whole lot. Great to see um, uh, it being recognised through this €10,000 investment. And, and I'm sure you're going to put it to very good use. Martin O'Brien, Chair of Barrow Valley uh, Community, The Hub, as it's well known up there. Thanks for joining us on KCLR Live this morning. Um, Ethel Quirk, you love uh, all things watery and, you know, that <laughs> kayaking and swimming indeed. and lakes and rivers and all sorts of stuff. Have you been up there? I have, yeah, I have. Do you know what? It's a good thing I do like all things watery. I'm just back from two weeks' holidays <laughs> and it's been two weeks of rain, rain, rain. But yeah, I have. Uh, we've stayed at the hub there in the in the camper van. My parents have stayed um, several times over the last few years. It's a great facility, great live music there. Greg Namana is always gorgeous yeah yeah especially in the summertime and all the kayaks and swimmers in the river there it's the, and it's, it's the, lifeguarded as well which is brilliant yeah like I mean it's, it's great it's, uh, but the other side of it they've got issues with trying to control flooding and all that type of thing as well I mean it's a double edged sword up there in Greg the Manor the water brings huge success brings lots of stuff into the community um, but it's something they've got to deal with as well great to see Barrow Valley getting them anyway the, the weather and <laughs> the, the holidays right it's do you like the heat? Yes, I do. Now, listen, I like the heat, but like 22 degrees is hot for me. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I I love that. Um, that's perfect for me. Um, but 44, 46, no, I, 48? I just wouldn't be able to cope with that at all. I'm so pale, pasty, and I fry like a little sausage. Um, I just wouldn't be able for that at all. But look at I. I take an hour of it at this stage after the two. Yeah, no, an hour. That's a, that's a cop out now. I'll t- I'll take an hour of it. Well, I'd happily sit in the pool if there was a poolside bar and sip on a, a margarita, maybe. Yeah. Well, look, I've just had a great two weeks holidays with the kids. Haven't gone anywhere outside of Ireland this year for our holidays. We were in Galway with friends, um, and just last week we were tourists in Kilkenny which was fantastic for yeah this. we've got a couple of initiatives coming up over the next few weeks I shouldn't be saying this possibly but we've got lots of like vacation stuff coming up and you know lots of features looking at uh, what it's like to stay on I think you know listen we've got to, I'm saying this as if it's a job for you and I for the afternoon but we've got to sort out this global warming thing you know and put that onto the to-do list yeah. um, but in the meantime while people are experiencing the sort of temperatures in Europe like our next door neighbours at home mm. right he can take it or leave it when mm. it comes to the heat. The kids can take it or leave it. She's a sun worshipper, yeah. right? And they came back from their holidays abroad just this weekend. Mm. They were down in the Canaries. They weren't even in mainland Europe, which mm. is even hotter. And even she said... Too hot. Too hot. Look, I think it's... I mean, it's dangerously hot. Um, and, you know, we've seen that in, in recent years. It's, it's getting hotter. But I think for me... There's no place like home. I absolutely love Ireland. I love holidaying in Ireland. It's too expensive though. It is expensive, but there are, there are, there are options. I mean, I camp, so that's an option. It's not expensive. It is a lot of work. Um, we stayed in the Kilkenny Hostel there during the week. So a family room there for, mm. for the four of us, which was really nice. Um, so look, there are options available. But yes, our, look, I mean, I go abroad for the guaranteed weather and... 
it is cheaper. There's there's yeah. no doubt about See, it. See, I'd love to go camping. My wife's just not having any of it. But she can do posh camping. Like, you can oh, do she's glamping. Just not, I've tried. I've tr- I'm going to end up doing it on my own. I know I am. <laughs> well, I do it on my own. So off you go. Do it on your own. Um, yeah, maybe I'll borrow your tent and... <laughs> next yeah. week yeah but you know what there are loads of places available to just that you can actually just rock up and they do it all for you you don't even have to glamp or you know you can have a cabin or a pod or whatever but there are also places where you can just go and hire a tent and they'll have it set up and like we've got electricity you've got your iPad you've got you know you've got all the mod cons I have fairy lights and a bit of bunting do you know uh, you can do margaritas. it <laughs> an occasional margarita an occasional well listen um, stay with us because yeah. after the break we're going to be chatting to, to Owen Corey travel expert and we'll be looking at it from two sides we'll be looking at the actual humanitarian issue because it is becoming just that there's thousands of people um, trying to take shelter trying to take cover lives at risk right across not just Europe North America Phoenix um, potentially experiencing temperatures in and around 50 degrees in the coming days um, wildfires happening on the Canary Islands lots going on how's it going to affect travel is it going to be a long term change to people's travel plans will we get into a situation where actually people don't take summer holidays anymore because it's too damn hot they wait till November and December all that to come and um, with Owen Corey travel expert just after this short break KCLO KCLO Welcome back to KCLR Live. 24 minutes to 12 o'clock. It's, it's amazing the amount of text messages that we get in. I mean, I'd love you to be able to come into the studio and sit and look at the variety of stuff that people get in. Yes, we've got lots of people guessing um, on the mystery sound. Um, as I said, uh, Eamon Murphy earlier on was asking, is it a parking barrier for a car park? No, it's not. Uh, Dan Brain asking, is it a typewriter? Dan Brain from Callan. No, it's not a typewriter either. And uh, Mary Hughes in Killahy in Tullerown wants to know, is the mystery sound a roulette machine? Asks Mary Hughes. Uh, no, I don't even don't know what a roulette machine. Actually, somebody did ask earlier on this morning on her text app and WhatsApp machine. I thought it was a pretty good guess. If it was the lottery balls being dropped into the drum. Here, I, I know I shouldn't play in it, but have a little listen. Yeah, I could see where they got the lottery balls dropping into a drum thing from that, but it's none of those things. But do keep those guesses and texts coming in. Sandra Fenner, good morning, Sandra. Um, Sandra in Fenner, probably, um, wants to know. Um, she says she loves the hub in Greg Namana. She met a lot of friends, especially Lorna Roach. Um, she's a resident of Greg Namana. Um, isn't it great to have all those friendships? And she sent her this little kiss on the bottom of the text message. Sandra, thank you very much. I hope you're enjoying um, your day, whatever you're up to, and I hope you get back to the hub pretty soon. Well, the hub will be a fabulous destination to cool off in with all the water activities that they've got available up there. Um, something I'm sure people around the continent at the moment on their holidays would love to avail of. Huge temperatures um, in the last few days and more forecast for the end of the week to come. Owen Curry is a travel expert. I'm sure Owen's got plenty of experience of very high temperatures. Have you ever been in 48 degrees, Owen? Yep. Been in 49 in the desert. It's like being hit over the head with something heavy. You <laughs> your 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 um, throat starts drying up, you know, and uh, all this starts going down your throat. It really, really can be uncomfortable, you know. Yeah, I got sunstroke once in the desert. Um, and th- that's not like a, a scene out of a black and white. We, we nice little trip as part of our honeymoon and we stopped off in, in Dubai for three days and uh, you know the way they do the uh, the this well the snowboarding thing I wasn't really snowboarding up and down the sand dunes yeah. I thought this is great crack five minutes later I'm not joking I was sitting on the back of a jeep they were practically pouring water over my head and I think that was only about 44 these these temperatures really do present some serious dangers to people though don't they 
Absolutely, and you know we we don't have a reputation nationally of being good with the sun. If you look around the pool at the best of times, the lobsters, uh, the red, the reddest people tend to be Irish. We tend to fry. We we. We live in a country where there's only about 15 degrees of temperature between winter and summer, and we tend not to. We tend to go looking for the sun, uh, in love with the concept of it, without really sure of you know when it gets nasty and it can get nasty and angry, uh, how we cope with it. But there's loads of medical advice there. Good, uh, you know, keep to the local medical advice as well, not just what you're picking up on the internet before you fly. You're very young, very old. They're the most vulnerable. It's all about hydration, the factors, and avoiding the sun. And holidaymakers don't tend to. Be impacted that heavily by it they've loads of options they tend to be in air-conditioned comfort tend to be lovely restaurants and things you can do during the day uh, just stay out of the sun obviously the heat lingers on late into the evening as well that's one of the things that's quite notable from this heat wave and in terms of the locations that people are experiencing particularly high temperatures at the moment yes it's all sort of main southern mainland europe in particular right up into poland though into the midlands yeah, well, it, uh, the Algarve is, is fine. I mean, you draw a line, you start with Spain and you go through Madrid, nearly up to Paris, the Alps, uh, all the way over then, uh, Greece and Cyprus and everybody are under it out there. The hottest temperatures, that the ones that you see in the headlines, they tend to be inland. Uh, they tend to be in um, not on the coastal resorts. Um, but it is it's still the, to, uh, the cause of great caution. One of the things that we'll be watching is what will happen with theme parks. The Acropolis has been closed. Anywhere you have to queue in the sun, um, the theme parks are still open, Port of Ventura, places like that, Disney Paris. But um, that's a thing to keep an eye out on. Uh, those sort of activities are probably the first to be curtailed. Yeah, I mean, so I heard this morning that the Acropolis had handed out 3,000 bottles of water um, just over the weekend to, to or various different people arriving there. They've also put shade in terms of the queuing areas. They've had to put cooling stations um, for people uh, who are waiting to, to visit. And obviously, um, for the first time in recent history, it's been closed or restricted access at least certain times of the day um, yeah. for the last three days. I believe it's open as normal today, but they're envisaging further restrictions later on in the week. It's going to be a bad three days today, uh, to Wednesday in Spain particularly, and let's face it, Spain is our biggest market. Um, the theme parks are good at it, the water parks that you get in these resorts, they tend to be good at coping with the sun and good at keeping an eye on children that are uh, unprotected in the sun and cooling them down and splashing them and things like that. But it, it is, uh, they are still open, uh, it is some, it's going to be difficult to manage from the theme park's point of view, if you're looking at those sort of temperatures. As I say, um, the places that, like, uh, you know, Estremadura, La Mancha, the, the Ebro Valley, where the very high temperatures are in Spain, um, they, they don't tend to be major tourist locations. But that said, Irish people tend to show up in all these places as well. We've, we've a, we're great dispersers when we go. We don't all end up in uh, Benamadena and Benidorm and uh, Malika when we go places. Yeah, I think we often make the mistake as well that just because it's really hot where we are, which would often be by the coastlines, you think, oh, it's too hot, I'll head inland. It's often, or very much often, very much worse when you head inland. That's certainly the stain of this week. If you're going up to the mountains, you're actually running into a greater heat. Atlantic coast, not so bad. As I say, Portugal managed, managed to escape so far. Um, but uh, uh, if we, uh, Andalusia, eastern Andalusia, 
Uh, we're, we're big fans of Andalusia. Eastern Andalusia is quite hot at the moment. Western Andalusia, not so much. And North America experiencing similar. I mean, I'm, Phoenix wouldn't necessarily be one of the first places that people would think of heading to if they were heading to uh, North America. But phenomenal figures being quoted. I know Phoenix is also uh, you know, very desert anyway in terms of its landscape. But they're talking about temperatures possibly in excess of 50 degrees. Yeah, it's a big, uh, it's a big Irish location. A lot of Irish uh, friends, uh, cousins out there. It's a very fast-growing city, and it, it is an aberration. It's not where you pick to build a city, but this is America, and the, um, it does put all these pressure, all the pressure on water supplies, things like that, and it is looking very, very high there. Um, I do think that those desert communities, in um, as you come inland from California, they're really uh, stressing all the resources that are available to them and um, when the temperature rises um, let's hope that everything keeps running because they do they all run on air conditioning if anything starts going wrong with the air conditioning everybody bakes yeah and that's the problem i mean the, the hotter it gets the more people invest in, in air conditioning to cool down units the more fossil fuels are burned the hotter it's going to get but listen that's a, that's a topic for another day Owen, is there a potential good news story in this that if you know these temperatures continue to be like this in europe during peak season would they like to see their own tour seasons the shoulder seasons as they call them spring and autumn sort of expand and you know people try and some people maybe try and stay away from that hotter time of the year and enjoy slightly milder temperatures in possibly March, April or October, November? Yeah, well, shoulder season's a great invention. Uh, it's We really are confined by, to, by the way the aviation industry works. Everything starts March 28, 29, 30, finishes around October 28, 29, 30. Uh, the winter schedules are then a, a fraction of what the, uh, they're about 60% of what the summer schedules are and a lot of the routes disappear for us. So the option really isn't there it's getting better, though, with uh, high rail systems through Spain. You fly to Madrid and get terrific rail systems to places that the summer services have been cancelled to. The, my experience is that tourism doesn't tend to react to heat waves. We don't see the cancellations. Um, there's go, there, there is a history of a string of them, three or four a year of them coming together. But uh, we're in a, um, uh, when they come, and we've seen probably some of the hottest years on record in Spain uh, over the last three or four years. So there could be a a long-term thing where people avoid particular dates. There's also an implication, by the way, for contributory negligence if you you really have to follow that medical advice because that's what people will be looking through in the uh, the travel insurance uh, claims when they come in if there's any sort of contributory negligence and not taking the heat very seriously yeah. and also I'd also be, make sure you have the hit card it's free EHIC it gets you with the emergency it doesn't get you repatriated and all that that's what travel insurance is for but it does get you emergency treatment if anything goes wrong and you end up like a certain person in Dubai on their honeymoon <laughs> Oh you've been waiting for the last three or four minutes to have that little pop out yeah but it's a good point I mean if you're away and you've got travel insurance and you end up in a hospital with sunstroke and they ask you what were you doing for the day I was out lying by the pool you know I forgot to put sun cream on but sure it was grand 
yeah, that's the contributing negligence. Last question it, it for you. Won't the, it won't be the emergency department that will that arise. It'll come up with the repatriation. The yeah. The health card is great. It gives you access to local medical services. Don't go anywhere without it. Just finally, before I let you go on, if you were somebody who had uh, once stretched themselves beyond their temperature capabilities in a desert in Dubai, and you were due to have two weeks holidays starting from next Monday and you hadn't actually booked anywhere away or weren't thinking about it. You've also got a couple of pasty Irish kids and a pasty Irish wife at home. Um, Is there anywhere out there that might be worth considering on a last-minute deal, do you think? The last-minute deals are very scarce this year and the reason is that the demand outstrips supply uh, by not by much, but just enough to make sure that there aren't those sorts of deals. Uh, have a look, though, at in the, um, the Atlantic coast. If you want to avoid those, that terrific heat. Remember Portugal, particularly the Lisbon and Porto routes, they're really good. The Atlantic coast of Spain, Galicia, Asturias, uh, Bilbao is one of the most amazing places. They're all outside of the red zone and the north of France, which is absolutely terrific, Brittany, and you've got ferry options there if you're climate conscious as well as you do to Bilbao. Mm. Um, they're, all, they're all outside the red zone. Loads of options out there. Not so much the last-minute deal, although keep an eye on routes like Nîmes and France, which aren't you know, that well-publicised, and some of the Italian routes and some of the Greek routes, which do land you in the red zone, but they're new routes this year and they haven't been taken up with uh, in the great numbers that uh, the airlines might have hoped. Yeah, a bit of sea breeze on the ferry to Bilbao sounds quite interesting. I might have to check that out. Oh, Corey, travel expert. 30 hours, Brian. So 30 hours? Oh, no. It is absolutely fabulous. I did it earlier this year. You see, that's the only thing about going on a holiday. Experience. It's the only thing about we're going on the holiday. We're just, an island a long way from anywhere. That is our biggest problem. Yeah, there. well, my biggest problem about going on holiday is you've got to spend more time with your family. But anyway, I suppose 30 hours in a cabin sort out a lot of the arguments one way or the other, wouldn't it? Alan Curry, thanks for giving us the time this morning. Alan Curry, travel expert there, joining us on KCR Live uh, to talk about those astronomical temperatures right across mainland Europe. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live.